Well, before we begin our new preaching journey next week, we've got one more episode or opportunity today to be reminded of one of the prophetic words that God has spoken over the life of Outlook Church. Over the last three weeks, we've looked at, Quentin looked at that word about power tools. God has placed power tools in the church. Look to your left and right. Quickly, just jump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the power tools sitting right here, but many of them waiting to be plugged in. You know that, that don't you love that feeling when, when, lock, when uh, uh, load shedding comes to an end and suddenly it's like the house comes alive again. We've got all these various beeps, this beeps, fridge kicks in. That's what we're talking about. There's gifting inside of each one of us waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit to be given the freedom to say, plug me in, Lord. I want to use gifts, these gifts for your glory. I looked last week at, uh, at the, the next word. What did I look at last week? Oh, this is a test. <laughs> That's right, maternity ward. And uh, the, the reality is, I honestly believe God is wanting to bring in multitudes, multitudes to be harvested for the kingdom, ready, walking as disciples of Jesus. But it's looking for you and I to be ready to be able to take care of them. I want to dive in today and, and look at a word you've heard us speak about many times. It's a more recent word. It's the reason that we embarked on this ambitious extension of our buildings. God spoke a word of double portion over us. I want to read it to you from Isaiah 61 verse 7. And it says, instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You'll possess a double portion of prosperity in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. It's a beautiful verse, but I mean, the Bible is, is beautiful. As God's word, living and active, sometimes you can have read a verse hundreds, if not thousands of times before, but then one day you read it and it just grabs your heart. And I wrote in my diary on the 2nd of April, 2017, I was in the city of Medellin, Colombia. We were on a two-week trip ministering in South America. And that morning, this verse oof, grabbed a hold of my heart. I wrote this, yes, with double exclamation mark. I feel like God has just given this as a promise for our church land. The municipality will not bring dishonor by charging us extra. That's a whole nother story for the land. And we will double all the buildings on the land. Thank you, Lord. And I remember that day when it gripped my heart. A few months later, in July of 2017, we were hosting a prophetic conference here, positioning the prophetic. A lady got up from Durban, and she said, I feel like God has got a word for this church. And she read Isaiah 61 and verse 7, same scripture. At that same conference, Sheila from Hilton, who was one of the leaders, and she's a prophetic artist, and, and she painted that. You see those two pictures, identical pictures on the top? She said, I've never done something crazy like this before, but I was painting this picture because I felt God was saying, there's a wide open space for you. And then I felt God say, paint another one, the same next to it. And she didn't know why, but we knew why. God is speaking, double portion. And so I'll be honest with you, I long to see this building project finished. I mean, I want to see it done and dusted. I can't wait. And, and I'm praying that by our 21st birthday, which is in February next year, the building will be complete. But this is what I am convinced of. Resources are never the thing that holds us up. It looks like it's resources sometimes. We say, oh, Lord, why don't you just send money from heaven? But this is what I know. Our God has shown us in the past that resources 
are not a problem for God. We serve a God of abundance. Our God can make a way. We had a church, a church in Scottborough, who doesn't even have their own building, give us a million rand donation to help put the roof on. God has ways and means of sending resources. So that makes me think. I remember years ago, God speaking a word into my heart from Scripture, and it was simply this. When you feel like you're waiting for God, chances are God is waiting for you. See, the Bible says that God is not slow in keeping his promises, but he is patient, not wanting any to perish. If, if God was slow, then he'd be the problem. But it says he's not slow, he is patient. So where's the problem? Exactly, right here. Our God is not so. So when we're waiting for God, chances are he's waiting for an adjustment inside of us. And this is what keeps me praying, saying, Lord, what can we do as a church? What adjustment can we bring so that this prophetic word, double portion, can be fulfilled over the life of Outlook Church? And I believe already over these last years, God has been bringing about a growth and adjustment. And it's not just for me or for the elders, but rather for every single one of us. But I want to focus this morning, the key to understanding and unlocking this prophetic word in its fullness, and it's much more than just a physical building, is the understanding of what does it mean to walk in a double portion? Because the first thing you think about is just, well, twice as much of everything. But scripturally, a double portion is a whole lot different to that. Let me give you an example, in Deuteronomy chapter 21 and verse 17, it's, uh, it says this, he must recognize, speaking about to a father, he must recognize the rights of his oldest son, the son of the wife he does not love, by giving him a double portion. He is the first son of his father's virility, and the rights of the firstborn belong to him. What does that tell us? In, in, the, in the law and in the Jewish tradition, a double portion always went to the oldest son. That's how it was. And so when you hear double portion, and we hear this prophetic word, you will receive a double portion. It's not just about quantity. It's about, it's basically saying, you will receive the rights and privileges and responsibilities of what it means to be an oldest son. And church, I'm convinced that's what we are wrestling with. The understanding, for me, what does it mean, Father, that you want us to think and act like oldest sons. Now, want you remember that Jesus is the oldest son, the son of the father, the first, his only begotten son. Jesus is that old, and we are in Christ. So in Christ, we are part of the oldest son. But what does that mean for you and I? Now, oldest sons didn't receive a double portion out of favoritism. There was a specific reason behind it. And the specific reason was actually succession planning. So the father would have sons, but then the oldest son would literally be the one responsible to carry on the father's legacy. So whatever business the father had, the son would, oldest son would inherit that. He would inherit, he would become an extension of the father. That's how it worked. That's why he got the double portion, so that he could continue. He, it was the succession plan that was built into the Jewish tradition. Now, once again, we see Jesus fulfill that. When Jesus came, he basically said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Jesus came as an extension, a visible representation to reflect the father here on earth. In John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus replied, have 
I've been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. That was the purpose of the firstborn son, to reflect the Father, to continue and extend his legacy. An example of this is, uh, remember Elijah and Elisha. Now, Elisha was uh, the young prophet in training, and Elijah trained him and trained him and trained him. And then as Elijah was about to go up to heaven, it says in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, when they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. And Elisha replied, please, let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. Now, he wasn't asking, I want to do twice as much as you. He wasn't asking for the size. I want to be a, a twice as big a minister as you. He was saying, I want to be your successor. I want to continue the mantle of what you have begun. That's what he was asking. He wasn't trying to be greedy. I want twice as much. He was saying respectfully, may I continue and be the successor, carry the mantle of this ministry. You have asked a difficult thing, Elisha replied, verse 10. If you see me when I'm taken from you, you will get your request, but if not, then you won't. Elisha basically left it in the Lord's hands. It's for the Lord to decide. And then Elisha did see the chariots of fire collecting Elijah. He went up to heaven, and in that moment, the mantle, the coat fell from Elijah, and Elisha picked it up, and he received that double portion, and he continued. Interestingly enough, He did do twice as many miracles as Elijah did, but the point was he became the successor, double portion. So what's God saying, Outlook Church? I believe God is saying, I want you to continue the Father's work. Just as Jesus was about the Father's business, he's saying, Outlook Church, I want you to think and understand like an older son, carrying that responsibility and privilege of extending the legacy of the Father. In John 14 and verse 12, it says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me, this is Jesus speaking, will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You see, the older sons reflect, represent, and continue the Father's legacy. Now, as we're pondering that, of course, when I'm thinking about the oldest son, it makes me think about the prodigal son story. Remember that? Two sons, one younger, one older, and straight away I think, why was the young one the rebellious one, and why was the older one the grumpy one? Because actually, more than just about the goodness and grace of God who loves the prodigal, I believe Jesus was trying to teach something about what does it mean to think like an oldest son. And so I'm just going to pick up a portion of that. And uh, so the prodigal, if you remember the story, a father, a rich father has two sons and, and the younger comes to the father and basically says, I wish you were dead, dad, because I want my inheritance now. And so the father graciously gives him his inheritance, knowing this son is going to squander it, and he did. He ran off, squandered his money on wild living, ended up in the pig pen, and then humbled himself and came back, and the father graciously accepted the son back. The older brother was miffed. And so this is what the older brother says. Meanwhile, verse number 25, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother's back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. Celebrating. (laughs) Older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you. 
and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Outlook Church, this older brother was angry, self-righteous, slave-minded, poverty-spirited, and could not celebrate the prosperity of others. And if any of that is in us, that's what will hold back the unlocking of God's plans and purposes. Let me read that again. He was angry, self-righteous, slave-minded, poverty-spirited, and could not celebrate the prosperity of others. Friends, he didn't know how to think like an oldest son. And I've been realizing, as I've been praying through this, saying, dear God, I want you to root out of my heart this kind of thinking. It was this thinking that kept him angry and self-righteous. I want us to chalk just a, I've got a couple of minutes this morning. How should an oldest son think? Because it's not just for me, this is for us as a church. If we want to unlock this incredible prophecy, walk in what God has for us, double portion, prosperity, blessing, everlasting joy. If we want to walk in that, it's so important that we repent of all of that that this older brother was getting wrong and learn to think like a true oldest son. Three things. Number one, how should an oldest son think? Number one, we work with our father and not slave for our father. Think about that for a moment. How do we think? We think we work with our father. What was he saying here? All these years I've been slaving for you. Wow. Everything belonged to him already. Remember the father took the inheritance and split it. Two portions for the older, one portion for the younger, sold off the small one, gave it to the younger brother, off he went. What does that mean? Everything else already belonged to the older son. But here he was, all the years, I've been slaving for you. Why? You see, we can so easily fall into the trap of that slave mentality. We're slaving for God, doing this, have to do this, rules, regulations. And the father is saying, come and work with me. Come and enjoy life with the father. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the father. That's the destination. That's the prize. Not heaven one day, the father the Father. We can live our lives with our Father, enjoying. Our Father is always at work, and we can work with our Father. This morning, the Father is working here, and instead of being a pastor who comes and works for God, Lord, help me to work with you. What are you doing? Let's do it together. That's the desire of our Heavenly Father. This is an identity issue. Have you got an identity as a slave, or do you see yourself as a precious, beloved son of our heavenly father. In Genesis 15, verse 1, this was one of Kate's favorite verses. I love it. When God spoke to Abram, it said, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. It's not stuff that's your reward. Stuff is ugh, it's stuff. I am your very great reward. You see, an older son realizes it's not about stuff. 
It's about actually the oldest son had the greatest access to a father. The oldest son got to do more with the father because the father was wanting to impart his whole life to his oldest son. That's the privilege of being the oldest son. Church, are we slaving or are we sunning? Are you enjoying your father? I'm trusting this morning to break that stronghold in our minds of a slave mentality. In Jesus' name, let it be broken. Let's rather repent this morning and say, Lord, I want to enjoy walking with you. I want to enjoy living with my father instead of seeing Christianity as a slaving for God to try and make him happy. Let's repent of that. Let's break it and let's enjoy our father. Here's something else. Number two, how does an older son think? Number two, an older son should enjoy what is already ours instead of trying to earn what is already ours. Here he was. You didn't even give me one goat to celebrate with my friends. And the father's saying, but all the goats are yours. He's trying to earn. Lord, if I work hard enough, then maybe my dad will give me one measly goat. And the father's saying, but, but all of this inheritance is yours. If you want to do anything with the goats, do it with the goats. It belongs to you. How often do we try and earn the very things that God has already given. Let's take some examples. What about your righteousness? Your righteousness before God is a gift from Jesus. But so many of us are still trying to earn it. We're trying to earn God's favor if I pray hard, if I obey this, if I stop sinning, then surely God will be pleased. No, it's a gift. He gives you righteousness in Christ. Stop trying to earn what you've already been given. What about grace? We can't earn grace, God's favor and help in our lives. You can't earn it for good behavior. You can learn to receive it by trusting for it in Jesus. What about access to the Father's presence? If I've been really good, if my sin kind of quota is really low, then maybe I can come before God. No, it's a gift. Access to the Father is a gift. We can come boldly before His throne, receive mercy, find grace because of what Jesus has done. What about resources? Resources. I'm convinced resources are never the problem. Resources follow revelation. As our eyes are open, it's not the God of money. No, He is our provider. When we see our Father as our provider, then provision flows. When we see Christ as our healer, healing flows. Friends, let's stop trying to earn what Jesus has already given to us. In Zechariah 4 verse 6, so he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power. In other words, not by earning and not by effort, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. The oldest son, enjoy your inheritance and stop trying to earn it. As I was reflecting on this, I, I began to realize how many amazing things in the natural God has given us. I mean, for example, some of you who've who visited us, we live in a beautiful home and have done for the last 16 years paying a rent that was equivalent to what you'd pay for a flat. In fact, that's how it came about. Someone offered us a house 16 years ago. It was supposed to be for a year. And they said, for the next year, you let out your little flat because we were just married, one kid. Whatever you get for the flat, pay us for the house. Now, 16 years later, we're still living in a beautiful little mansion on, because of God's goodness. 
The car I drive is a gift from a friend who made a deal. I got it for a, it's a blessing. I, I, some of you have seen me ride my little off-road motorbike to church once a week. That literally was a gift from someone, free of charge. Here it is, be blessed. And I began to realize how difficult it is to receive things sometimes. In the beginning, when, when you know, someone would lavishly give you something, everything inside of me, two things. Number one, my pride kicked in. No, no, I've got to, I'd rather pay you in some way. I just, uh. Number two, my insecurity kicked in. I'm not worthy of a gift like this. And I realized, actually, God, you're trying to teach me that the problem is not your generosity. The problem is my ability, humility and security to receive things well. In fact, I felt God challenge me, Brent. How much more have I for you if only you knew how to receive from me? Because everything inside of me wants to earn it, deserve it, pay for it, pride, religiousness. Oldest son, everything I have is yours. Can we learn to open our hearts? Let's break an earning mentality. That's a stronghold. We live in a world of earning. We've got to break that stronghold And repent by learning to say, Father, I'm your son. If you want to lavishly pour things into my life, here I am. Enjoy receiving from the Father. Let me land with this last one then. How does an older son think? He learns to celebrate the lost returning instead of judging the lost who are trying to enter in. The older son was angry because he felt self-righteous. I have worked so hard at being good to earn your favor, and now this guy who squandered everything on prostitutes, and you smile and welcome him, not fair. What was the root of the problem? It's a self-righteousness inside of you. Church, I don't want us to be the kind of people where broken, hurting, sinful, messed up people can't come to Outlook Church because they get the vibe from self-righteous people trying to earn God's favor. We are a bunch of sinners who've opened our hearts and received the incredible grace of God. You do not deserve and you have not earned your salvation. You haven't. Jesus did it on the cross for what we could not do. And only when we realize my forgiveness is the pure mercy of God, how then now could I judge someone else? Based on my morality, they worst. Based on God's morality, you are both, both, me included, all of us, far from God. Does that make sense? You see, it's self-righteousness that makes us angry and want to judge. We should be the most gracious, accepting, loving people because we realize how much God has forgiven us. And let me tell you, our Father would love to send in through these doors people who are completely broken, far from God, messed up, who believe weird and horrible things and are doing horrible things, but he wants to show his grace and his love. But the question is, when they walk in the door, are we going to be like this angry older brother, self-righteous, or have we learned to think like true sons? The father has been so generous to me. Here's the thing. When we don't get this, we think, If the father's kind to him, if if he wins, it means I'm going to lose in some way. Now, the fact that the youngest son came back did not reduce the size of the oldest son's inheritance. Everything was his. 
In other words, his victory doesn't mean to say, oh, it's my defeat. His gain doesn't mean my loss. It's the abundance of our heavenly father. Friends, older sons are abundance thinkers and not poverty thinkers, and so they can celebrate. Someone else's victory doesn't mean your loss. And we've got to break that stronghold in our mind of self-righteousness. We've got to break that stronghold in our mind of comparison, of competing. Let's repent and begin to celebrate the victory, the success. Celebrate the goodness and grace of God to others. So, it's time to land. Are we ready for a double portion? Church, are we ready? I'm convinced. It's not money we're waiting for. It's our thinking. Older sons of the living God. Older sons think sonship and enjoy your father. They think inheritance and enjoy the goodness that God has for us. They think abundance. So it doesn't, your increase doesn't mean my decrease. So let's enjoy working with our heavenly father. Let's enjoy receiving from his bountiful gifts. And let's enjoy God's generosity and mercy to others. Because in Christ, we are oldest sons. Can you say amen to that? Why don't you stand with me, please? Mm -hmm. Let's close our eyes just for a moment. Father, I want to thank you so much that in Christ, we are oldest sons. Double portion is our inheritance and our right because of what Jesus has done for us. And Father, I pray over every one of us at Outlook that you would help us to break that thinking that that grumpy older son that we read about. We ask that you would break that in our hearts and minds this morning. Father, we want to enjoy your presence. Father, we want to enjoy the inheritance that you have for us. Father, we want to enjoy your generosity and mercy poured out to others. Friends, I want to ask you this morning, just while our eyes are closed, if you need to repent, allow the Holy Spirit to smash strongholds in our thinking, strongholds of a slave mentality, strongholds of an earning mentality, strongholds of a poverty mentality, Let them be smashed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just while our eyes are closed for a moment, I just got faith this morning that I was listening to some amazing testimonies of people coming to know Jesus. And you know, in every testimony I heard, there was a moment when they'd heard the Word of God And then they felt a nudging in their heart saying, this is the moment. And I remember because I had a moment exactly like that. And I want to give you an opportunity right now. This is not a, a me thing. This is a power of the Holy Spirit thing. If the Holy Spirit right now is nudging your heart, there's that question, Lord, what do I do? Then here's the thing. If that nudging is strong enough, then you will be brave enough to say, Lord, I want to respond today. So without eyes closed, is there anyone like that? Just... I'm just looking for what the Holy Spirit is doing. The Holy Spirit's nudging your heart, and you're brave enough to say, I want to make right with God today. Why don't you slip up your hand very quickly, wherever you are. Wonderful. Anyone else? Wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you, Lord. 
Father, for those who've raised their hands right now, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are working in their hearts right now. Father, thank you that you're calling them back like that. The father who met the prodigal son welcomed him into his arms. Father, your word says repent so that your sins may be washed away and times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Father, for those who raise their hands and for all of us, we open our hearts to you right now and say, Jesus, Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. I surrender all to you. I trust in you. In Jesus' name. And Father, I pray even as we go that we would know the gracious hand of God that rests upon us in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Tonight, uh, Verve is going to be preaching.